Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast, Episode 75. Your host, as always, the boys, Noah B. and Dominic Salee. The end of another week. How are you doing, Dom? Ooh! <laughs> that was, that was, he let out quite a noise there. Headphone listeners, I apologize. <laughs> We're about to break down a three championship card. Mm-hmm. A record number of fight breakdowns per on an episode We're with break- nine. You all are witnessing history. a record-breaking performance here by us. Episode 75. Three quarters of the way to triple digits. Mm-hmm. 75%. And I've been saying for weeks now that I'm not ready for the month of March. But here we are. Yeah, you weren't ready. None of us were ready. March ain't and stopping. It, ju- it, it never stopped coming. And yeah. now it's here we are. Yeah. It's like a Habib takedown, and it's just on top of us now. Yep. And we're stuck. <laughs> and we are getting taken in the deep waters. Yeah. And they only get deeper. Yes. But it starts here. We're going to fight our asses off. This is the biggest card that we might see all year. This is one of the biggest episodes we've ever done. Right here. Biggest I mean, card is. we've ever it done. It is the biggest card we've ever done. Yeah. From top to bottom. And That's why get... they're doing nine fights. Well, we're about to bring it. We're about to bring it. <sighs> yeah. Uh, very excited to go over UFC 259. <sighs> Headlined by three title fights. I mean, they're all really headliners in their own right. Obviously, main billing, you got Blahovich versus Adesanya for the light heavyweight belt. That's champion versus champion. Israel going for champ champ status. Co-main event, the GOAT. The, the goat. women's GOAT, and maybe even just the GOAT in general. Yeah. Amanda Nunes defending her women's featherweight belt against really probably the first legitimate Featherweight, she's faced since Outside her cyborg. cyborg. Megan Anderson. Yeah. And after that, you got that Bantamweight belt. This is the one a lot of people are excited about. Peter Yan the most. trying to make his first defense of that title against the rightful number one contender, Aljamain Sterling. However, first. before we get into those, it's time for the news. The news. Couple things. Couple fight announcements yeah. here. We start with May first. May first. May first. Cub Swanson, man. Oh boy. A guy that we are a big fan of here on the Below Average Joe's MMA finance. Having a tad bit of a career resurgence. He has. He's been really. They had the UFC's not made this easy for him. Not you at saw, all. You saw him go up against Crone Gracie. Passed the test. Crone Gracie. Weird fight where he was kind of trying to stand with Cub, but it was an awesome fight. Mm-hmm. Cub looked great. He follows that up with Daniel Pineda, a guy oh, who had man. finished, what was it? I think he literally has 27 wins all via finish. finish. <laughs> and Cub stopped him yeah. and looked fantastic in that fight. He looked damn good. For a while, it looked like he was going to be going up against... Um, Gavin Tucker. Gavin Tucker. Gavin Tucker is now facing Dan Ige. Yes. So now, Cubs match up for May 1st. Oh. Another killer in Giga Chikadze. I'm talking about striking. <laughs> Yikes! Um, when you sent this to me, you literally put their feeding cub to sharks. Yeah, they are. It's bad. So, <laughs> explain to the people because Giga Chikadze, while we know how good this guy is, explain to the people kind of why they should be on the lookout for Chikadze. 
World-class striking. What did he go last year in 2020? No, let the he went 4-0. Know. Four fights, four wins in 2020. Mm-hmm. One of the most under-the-radar fighters of the year, dare I say. Yeah, we, he Found himself our, on the prelims on almost all of those He fights. went under our radar. Yeah. I mean, 4-0, you know, there wasn't a ton of people that's... I mean, okay, we know that about the, the second half of the year, how it seemed like everybody was fighting yeah. every week. But he with a guy early. like him, his first fight of the year was in March... And then he fought in May, and then October to November. So yeah. that guy just... Like a normal year. He just yeah. treated it like business as usual. Yeah. And he's an animal on the feet. Mm-hmm. This is a very hard fight for Cub, but as we saw in his last fight, Cub still can throw some hands. But he's got a lot more than hands coming at him with Giga. He's That's... got kicks, he's got knees, he's got elbows. This man is really an incredible striker. He's put on some great performances in the UFC. Is he 4-0 in the promotion then? Was his debut in 2020? No. For the so UFC? He, he did have a win in 2019, so he is 5-0. 5-0 in the UFC. This is no easy feat for yeah. either man. Yeah, I'm not going to say this is Chikadze's biggest test and biggest name. What are your thoughts here? We're big Cub fans. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to count him out at this point. Yeah. You know, I, we, I believe when we were split on the Swanson-Pineda fight, I think you you had Cub. I think I picked I don't remember. Someone go either way, check that. Yeah, yeah, either way, we kind of went back and forth on that fight because Cub is one of those aging guys. He's been fighting in yeah. the UFC for a long time. Been there, done Pineda, that. no young guy in his own right. A guy is like 35. Yeah. But a fresh face in this in that division. Um, and a guy that finished everybody. It seemed like maybe, oh, this could be a tough one for Cub to pass. Cub looked fantastic. Yeah, he did. And yeah, even the Crone Gracie fight. That's the kind of style of fighter that's that Cub would have the most trouble with. Yeah, he's been with. submitted a lot. Yeah. However, Crone just looked I, I don't Chosen. and I don't want to say it was all like Crone's lack of fight IQ or whatever. I think a lot of it is Cub Swanson, the way he fought that fight was he really dragged Crone into his yeah, world. His fight. Yeah. He was like they they decided to have a slugfest and with a Gracie. Yeah. They lose. They 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 put the name Gracie next to jujitsu a lot. Yeah, yeah. That it's in his genes, man. And that guy was like, "Let me box." Yeah, with one of the danger, most dangerous strikers in featherweight yeah. division. So, but Giga here, he's a little bit more patient. Yes, he is. I mean, that's these kickboxing types are mm-hmm. really dangerous. A lot of them nowadays. They're very. They, you see it with a lot of these kickboxing guys. They're very patient. They're very. I see our composed. headliner here, Izzy. You know? Yeah, you know, patience. Being composed, those are traits that are very... They pick their opponents apart. Yeah, they really do. And, you know, the leg kicks are going to be big. And Cub Swanson still having some troubles with his legs. He had a surgically repaired mm-hmm. knee. You saw in that fight with Pineda, those yep. leg kicks were eating him up early. I think it's a great fight. And it's a great test for Jacquezi because if you really look at who he's fought, the best guy on his resume is Brandon Davis. Oh, yeah, it's a big step up in name and value. And that was his debut. Yeah. Since then, you know, he's fought guys like Jamal Emmers, Irwin Rivera, Omar Morales, Jamie Simmons. You know, not a lot of names that really yeah. we know of right now. Right. So I think it's a big test for Jacadze, but for Cub, you know, he seems like the guy that's got more to lose here because in some ways he might still be fighting for his job. Sometimes when these veteran versus, you know, up-and-comer fights happen, the vet just happens to come out on top. Yeah, so don't be surprised to see that one win fight of the yeah, night. Experience <laughs> goes a long way. That could very well be a fight of the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is coming to you on May 1st, two weeks later. Mm. 
May 15th. Another potential fight of the night. Sure, yeah, you're not kidding. This is going to be UFC 262. Oh, yeah, that's the pay-per-view. Yeah, so this will probably be on your main card, I would say. A big matchup at Featherweight. Yeah, it is. Shane Burgos. We last saw him in a low-key sleeper fight, fight of the, of the year, year with Josh Emmett last year. A fight that he did lose. And that was the fight where Josh Emmett like tore his ACL. Yeah, in like the first round. But he's got his next matchup, Burgos does, against Edson Barboza. Barboza just signing a new deal with the UFC to remain with the company. He's had a tough go with things, you know, in the past couple years. He's two and five. Two and five since twenty seventeen, since the end of twenty seventeen, since the Habib fight. Yeah. Starting with that Habib fight, he's went two and five. He did win his last fight against Makwan Amir Khani. A good win. A good win, but Burjo's top 15. Yeah. This is definitely a step up. Yeah, 12 versus 14 here. Again, for Burgos, I mean, coming off that Emmett fight, still name value-wise, Edson's probably overall a bigger name than Emmett still. This is a huge test for him. And for Edson, he's really trying to make his mark in this division since he came down. He came and had that fight with Ige, which you could argue he won. Then he beat, um, how do you say his name again? Makwan. Makwan Amir Khani. Amir Khani. Uh, and he looked good in that fight. His takedown defense was on point. So if he were to get this win over Burgos here, he all of a sudden is knocking on the door for top 10 comp- competition. And a guy like Edson, a freak athlete, he's always going to post threats, no matter what the wins and losses are saying on his record. Well, the thing that I don't think people realize about Burgos, you know, he is a guy that kind of went under radar a little bit up to this point. I mean, he's only 29. He's right in his mm-hmm. prime right now. That was his last one as well, was Machwin Army. Yeah, he's only got two losses, and they're to Calvin Cater and Josh Emmett. And, I mean, those are dogs. Yeah. He's only been finished by the one, Calvin Cater. But if you look at some of his wins, I mean, he beat Cup Swanson. He finished Amir Khani. He's got wins over Charles Rosa via TKO. You know, he's got good wins. Really, you know, this, this is still a step up. In some ways. This might but, be I that mean, win he needs. It's not necessarily a... St- it's a step up in his victories, but, I mean, I think a fight with Barboza is very similar to fighting a guy like Josh. Oh, Allen, yeah, man. If you're talking about overall talent. Talent, name value, everything. Yeah, so, I mean, I, and again, it's kind of like he's he's really being given another attempt here to really pass that test. And I'm looking forward to this. That's Barboza, you know, I know he did just sign a new deal, but you got to think the guy, he's got a lot of years on him. Yeah. A lot of fight years, you know, he's he's not had a great run of things. I mean, tough competition. If you look at that two and five run I talked about, lost to Habib, one of the We don't like to talk about that. Lost to Kevin Lee. Great fight though. Yeah. That was the fight where he made Kevin Lee do the stanky leg. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he beat Dan Hooker in another brutal fight to that watch. That was brutal. Then he had three straight losses to Justin Gaethje. Paul Felder via split decision. Dan Ige split decision. Killer. I right. thought he won. I thought he won the Ige, Ige fight, yeah. Um, however, w- didn't win it decisively, and Ige being kind of that guy that was on the rise at the time. Then he wins against Amir Khani. So you got to think that he's still kind of fighting to keep that career going at this mm-hmm. point. You know, he's very committed. Would be big. Very committed to staying at featherweight. Yeah. Which I think is good for him. You know, he was he was not a big guy at lightweight, even though he he is such an electrifying finisher. You know, the striking is so fast. In this featherweight division, the guys are going to be faster, but he's going to be bigger, more powerful. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that meshes with Burgos, who's another big power guy in his own right. 
That that's another literal fight of the night contender <clears throat> right there. Back to back fight announcements. But that's all for the fight announcements. As for the rest, we got a little sprinkle of something. Start. Actually, we got to drop a big old bag of cash right well, here. Hold on. Oh, let's all take a moment of silence. Oh yeah, I forgot. I feel yeah. disrespectful now. <clears throat> I apologize. That's okay. Moment of silence. So the the basically mid twenty tens era of heavyweight is pretty much officially over. Yeah. With the UFC releasing Alistair Overeem and Junior Dos Santos. On the same day. I tip my hat to those guys. Legends. Hall of Famers. And we had the pleasure to see Overeem in person. We did. And you know, I, I really did buy into that last ride and mm-hmm. everything. Shame that it had to end the way it did, but what a career that guy's had. Ar- arguably, maybe not even arguably, maybe maybe this is the obvious choice, but probably the best UFC fighter to never, never win. Never win a belt. Yeah. And he's won them in like every other place outside of yeah. the UFC, I mean, the guy, the guy literally fought in pride. He's an absolute legend of just MMA as a whole. Heavyweight especially. Meanwhile, for Junior Dos Santos, former UFC heavyweight champion. Yep. He headlined the very first Fox card with Cain Velasquez, and he knocked out Cain in about a minute. Yeah. Man. What's funny, really about, what's just... funny about that fight is that that was the only fight shown on Fox. So they were hoping for, like, an absolute awesome war type or yeah. a fight that would go a while because they had, like, an hour of airtime. The fight ended in a minute. So then they pretty much had to scramble... And have commentators talk awkwardly for about 45 minutes. You love that. So, funny how JDS kind of what a guy. Let the, got that Fox deal off to an awkward start. However, that's just a side point. JDS, man, I mean, he, he won the belt. He's got wins over guys like Stipe, obviously Cain Velasquez. I mean, he's he's been in wars with One the of the most of humble, respectful martial artists in the game. Well, almost wanted a second. I shouldn't say almost, but he fought Stipe, Stipe when yeah. Stipe was champion. Stipe's first two title defenses were Alistair Overeem and Junior yeah. Dos Santos. Back to back, that's true. So it's just so interesting. It's, and then he followed it up with Francis Ngannou, who will not be retiring anytime soon. No. Or well, being I don't think go. so. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... Um, Can I pose one quick question? Yeah. Were you surprised? I... Okay, so JDS did not surprise me. Um, Four fights like, in a row, a loss. It felt like that that one was very justified, and I think Overeem is too. However, it is very. It was a little more surprising. I thought maybe Overeem might get another. I thought mm-hmm. Overeem might retire before they let him. Yeah, it just but, shows that they were just kind of in on the last ride too. Like yeah. you're either gonna get to the belt or you're gonna lose, and we're done. And people were. I've seen some people making comments about how he went from headlining a fight night to being cut guys i mean this dude's 40 he's in his 40s like he's been fighting for 20 plus you years. want to talk about fight years yeah i mean look at how many times that guy's been finished and how he's had to reinvent himself time and time again he has mma wins in the 90s the thousands the tens and the 20s pretty much that's pretty alistair sure. over Pretty sure him and Olenek are the only two that have that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, it's a sad day. But, End of an era. You know, they're two future Hall of Famers 100%. for sure. and 
just and they always left us with great memories, win or loss, always amazing went fights out, across great their fights. careers, you know, so. tons of fight of the nights and all that. So, and they made bags. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So over him, go eat all the horse meat you would like. <laughs> JDS, I don't know what you eat, but go uh, do that. Yeah. Moving on. A bag. I'm gonna of let money. you talk about this one because you rudely. Yeah, I, <laughs> I totally forgot. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. So, um, money. Lots and lots and lots of money. We got any bettors out there that listen to this? We're not a betting podcast. But uh, UFC has officially named DraftKings as its sportsbook and daily fantasy partner. A deal. Five years, $350 million. Now, if you're aware of UFC broadcasts in the past... You're no stranger to DraftKings having commercials during the broadcast, all that fun stuff. But now it's like an official gambling partner, which is new. And uh, this is a huge deal, man, because sports betting is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. It produces billions of dollars in revenue across the 20 states in Washington, D.C. that it's legalized in now. We're here in the great state of Ohio where we're hoping to have it legalized by the summertime. We're still waiting on that one. Because no one, I might throw a couple dollars on a parlay. You, know, you never know. You never know. We're trying to improve the quality of the podcast. <laughs> um, but so this is a huge deal. Um, I think it even starts this weekend. So the uh, the clock that you see in the octagon is going to be official, like DraftKings logo on it and all this stuff. So see more and more of DraftKings coming up in the future. Again, five-year deal. What are your kind of thoughts on this, Noah? Just, it shows, I think, where sports betting is these days, along with how prominent the UFC is. I'm happy that it's apparent the UFC really is like an advocate for this. You know, you they were the huge fight. on sports betting before all yeah, other sports. I mean, the fight odds have been shown and displayed for years, you know, for I don't even know how long. It's and, been. and do you think that plays a role because they're literally in Vegas? You know, yeah, Part of it has is. to be the headquarter being yeah. in Vegas. Dana, a huge yeah. betting guy. He's literally banned from many casinos because he wins too often. Yeah, um, you know he's obviously big on the the history, the lore of the fight game, and betting and fighting intertwine very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm all for this partnership. You know, the UFC has been announcing a few of these. They partnered with TikTok, like I kind of made a joke about. <laughs> yeah. on our this or that episode. So it's um, Anything the UFC can do to partner with these, you know, prominent organizations, and it's all about getting your brand, man, expanding yeah, and, your brand. And I think, I, and I think that this shows that the ESPN deal is working to legitimize oh, yeah. the sport because yeah. maybe you wouldn't see quite some of these partnerships if they didn't have that kind of in their back pocket, that yeah. kind of connection to ESPN. So, I love it. I don't really have too much thoughts about the actual deal itself and what it entails, but. Yeah, I hope sports betting comes to Ohio this summer. That's oh, what. Well, Wallace don't, but yeah. we want it. Yeah. Well, they do because we're gonna we're gonna win, win. right? We're gonna right. win, of course, because yeah. they build casinos on winners. Yeah, confidence is key. <laughs> Next one, I'm gonna let you introduce this one too. Dana made in the big state. Hot off the presses. Yep. There was a, uh, as you know, we record these previews on Thursday evenings. There was a press conference today for UFC 259, and uh, they were talking about fans. And Dana said, yeah, uh, UFC uh, 260, March 27th, trying to have it in Texas with a full stadium. I said, huh? Sitting here in my reclining chair, didn't know what he was talking about. So he has proposed plans to Dallas. They turned it down, and now he has reached out to Houston, Texas. And for those of you that don't know, Texas just this week lifted all COVID-19 protocols and restrictions 
So they're trying to fill stadiums. Dana said he's going to be the first one back to do it, and uh, he's not wasting any time. So I personally am not big on this idea yet because I don't think we're quite at a full capacity um, time frame just yet. But it's great to see numbers are declining. <clears throat> Things are starting to open up more, and that's a great thing. I just don't want stuff to be pushed too soon for potential setbacks. That's yeah, so all. Politics aside, right? Yeah, no politics. This is yeah, just and I'm not saying, I know that's not what you, you're not saying anything. Yeah. I'm just making it clear. Yeah. I'm not, like, no, no matter what you believe here, if I look at it from strictly strategically mm-hmm. for UFC, I have to wonder, I question if this is really worth the risk right now. So if you're, you know, someone who thinks that for Texas this is too soon, that they're kind of crazy to be doing this, you know, allowing all this full stadiums and allowing no mask and all that, then there's a reason why it's too risky because you pack a stadium for your yeah. show. Yeah. And potentially... Have like a super spread or Yeah, or super something. spread. But if you're on the other end and you're someone who thinks that this is finally the time to yeah. do this and stuff... Then you're all for this. However, what I I would still say to those people is what should still make you concerned about the UFC going for this is a potential backlash. Just yeah, you know the UFC has not you know a lot of these or, major sports organizations are very left leaning, and they're, UFC they're easing. Back UFC into tends to be a little bit more on the I guess middle ground conservative mm-hmm. side. You know Dana supporter of Trump mm-hmm. and whatnot, friend of Trump. So either way. You fall on the spectrum. Sca- on the spectrum. I feel like you should still come into this a bit concerned, just because I think there's a lot of risk for the UFC to do this. But I also understand there was a lot of risk for them to really come back be the at first all. sport yeah. to come back. But we were yeah. all for that, right? So and it worked out. So in a way, I'm I'm gonna be hesitant, but I have no doubt if there is a sports organization that can pull this off, it would be the them. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we saw they, them. They showed that they were very ahead of the mm-hmm. game when it came to their COVID protocols and whatnot. They did. I imagine at Fight they Island. will still have something in place to some sort of screening, whether I, it be, yeah, you whether would it be like temperature checks, whatever. I I just have a hard time believing it's just going to be like when we went to two hundred three. Yeah, and you just had your walking around. Right? You're at the fan fest, all this stuff. But who knows? We'll see as more comes out. But yeah, it was yeah. definitely a surprise. I. It was just a talking bit that I just had to at least bring up. And it was just shocking. I didn't expect that. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm, again, not surprised that he, he said he's going to be first. And mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Yep. One more news story. We did not talk about this before we started recording. Um, just curious what your thoughts are. Hamzat Chemaev. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the post on Instagram, it looks like the... The, he's, he's getting it bad. The man. COVID, uh, what would you call it? The after effects or the ongoing effects of COVID? Poor guy. You know, he basically posted a picture on his Instagram story of him. It looked like he had coughed Coughing up, up blood, blood in and, the sink. And it was in R- Russian, I believe. Yeah. But translated, it looked like a retirement message. Yeah, he essentially had said, like, he was done. And now, Dana, blah, blah, blah. Dana has said that that is not the case. That he is still on track to come back in the summer. But I'm curious what your thoughts are. Do you think, man, that... health and safety first? Yeah, he's 100%. a young guy, and you just you want to see him get healthy. He doesn't need to be rushed back into things. We know the talent he possesses and the star potential. 
And I think the UFC realizes this. And, you know, they brought him to the States. They're getting him doctor attention over at the UFC. And Dana said the guy's honestly just not resting. He said he's getting medicine and all this stuff from the doctors, but then he's just going and training full bore. And he's that just can't happen. He needs to recover, chill out, relax. We know you fought twice in nine days, three times in 63. He's an absolute freaking animal. But health and safety first. Let's get him recovered. Let's get him rested up, healthy. And then if he comes back, I can't wait to see it. Hopefully he just comes back how he left Yeah. in the first place. Yeah. But uh, but I completely agree. Health and safety first. I just feel like you have to talk about it, right? Right, right. You know, I'm glad just, you brought that up. Yeah, so, I mean... Thoughts go yeah. out to from the from the Joes to uh, <laughs> to Chimaya. Hamza Chimaev, man. Hope all is well, get better, and we can't wait to see him again in the octagon. Hopefully, yeah. But that is the end of the news. Um, now, no, 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 no. We're not quite to. It's probably our, a good thing. We're not quite to the nine fight breakdown yet. Our fans are like, oh, come on! They're like, come on. just give it to us. Well, it's time for a viewer question. Dun, dun, dun. Hey, Dom and Noah. Big fan of the podcast. Longtime listener since the first episode. My question is, if Israel Sanya wins the light heavyweight title, does he vacate the middleweight? Thank you, Jordan, for your question. Really appreciate you sending that one in. So, Our guy, yeah. JPZ. Been a supporter from day one, one of our best friends. And we way get to back. see him for the fights this weekend. He's gonna be watching them with us. Gonna be so a blast. We've been talking about this a lot. Yeah. So, um, but I don't think we've really told him what we think about this. Yeah, this is interesting. So, what do you think about Adesanya? You know, I know we'll be talking about his right. fight with Blahovich, but if he were to win the light heavyweight belt, what does that mean for him as middleweight champion? Basically, you know, does he? I think we see him again. I think he defends again. Um, I think this guy's really just coming for history, records, legacy, defending belts, winning belts, three-weight classes, six-weight classes. He just wants to do it all undefeated. I think he, uh, if he wins against Jan, becomes a two-time or two-weight champion simultaneous. It also depends on the division because the issue at middleweight is that the two guys, one and two, or Costa and Whitaker. Now, they're fighting next month, so obviously it's not like Izzy's going to, if he wins Saturday, just turn around and fight soon. So he's the, the division's going to have to play out because we also have Vittori and Till, which I think is more intriguing to Adesanya than Costa, Whitaker. But long story short, yes, Jordan, I do believe Izzy comes back down to make a title defense, win or lose, at UFC 259. Noah? It's a good question. It's a good question. I went back and forth on it. I have at times believed he will. At times I believed he wouldn't. I think right now I'm going to say he does let go of the belt. Mm. Now, do I think do I think he could go back for it at some point? Potentially. I think he's going to look to make light heavyweight his division. You know... He has made a lot of comments about really the only matchup that stuck out to him at middleweight is Darren Till. Yeah. So a rematch with Whitaker probably doesn't interest him that much. A matchup potentially with a guy like Jared Cannonier or uh, 
Marvin Vittori again or Jack or Manson, you know, any of these guys, it doesn't really... Nothing's he's looking, tickling his fans. Yeah, but at light heavyweight, you have a new batch of guys that he could fight off. If he wins this belt, I mean, you look at a guy like Glover Teixeira, you look at guys like the winner of Rakich Santos, the winner of Proshaka and um, Reyes. And not to mention a little carrot dangling above him at heavyweight, <laughs> Noah and John Jones. Yeah, and... My original, when I originally thought he wouldn't come back, I thought he might go to heavyweight. Straight after? Yeah. Mm. However, I don't think that's going to be the case. There's a lot going on at heavyweight. I just don't think, he, it doesn't appear that he's going to, I don't think he'll be big enough to. Is he going to weigh in at like 206? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? mean? I mean, is that, I well, that's what I mean, yeah. It's yeah. Like, I don't know if he's really big enough for heavyweight, and I don't even know if that's really on his mind right now. I think he's really just looking to try to new batch of contenders, guys that he wants to test himself against. And if he loses, then maybe you always go back. Mm -hmm. But since I am saying that I think he'll relinquish, I think it's only right that I say who should fight for a vacant belt at middleweight. Truthfully, I mean, if you, it depends on when it gets announced, obviously, you know, if he wins Saturday and makes it clear, he's like, Hey, this light heavyweight's my home now. Those guys can fight for the belt. Then you do Costa Whitaker. Yeah. That, that that's would make the sense. obvious choice. However, if that's not the case, then I think you do the winner of Costa Whitaker. Winner of Till and Vittori. Yep. You yeah. do that sometime in the summer. Yeah. And that would be a great fight. I 100%. Mean, no matter who the matchups are there. They booked them within a week of each other for a reason. Yeah. So that's my thoughts on it. JP, really appreciate your question. Hopefully we did a pretty decent job answering it for you. Yeah, and you know, if you guys have questions, again, the voice messages can be about literally anything. So we were happy that Jordan actually did something different here. Yeah. Posed a question. Tyler, of course, gave us predictions. Whatever you guys want, we're building this community, and we're putting you on the podcast. Yeah, we might as well plug. JP was able to ask this question by using the voice yep. message option on our Anchor page. You can find that if you go to our bios on Twitter or Instagram. Um, the link tree is on there. It's One the, of the second links. option on the link tree. Second option, leave you a click voice it message. And you hit record. And you got 60 seconds. Yep. So we would love to use those more, but that was a viewer question from JP. Really appreciate it. We'll see you this weekend, buddy. Yes, sir. Now we're on to our nine five no. breakdown. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm yeah. actually, I'm finally ready. Oh, you are? I'm ready. I don't think you are. I'm not. I think you're just, I just trying, you're trying to psych yourself up. I am. Bold face lie. So let's go over what we're going to break down here. So we're breaking down the entire prelim. <laughs> yeah, we, are. We, we are only not talking about the early, the early prelims. prelims. And there's still bangers in there. So we're talking about our four prelims and then our five main, main card, card fights. So yeah. we start at flyweight. Yes. Rogerio, Bontoran, Kai Kara France. Then another flyweight fight. Number one contender fight, potentially. Yes, yes. Joseph Benavidez, Askar, Askarov. It's a great fight. Bantamweight. Back-to-back Bantamweight. So you got back-to-back flyweight, back-to-back Bantamweight. Song Yadong, one of the biggest prospects the UFC has right now. Watch for Kyler Phillips. Watch for that to be fighting watch for Watch out for Kyler Phillips, yeah. man. Matrix yeah. is his nickname. That might be fight of the night tomorrow. Saturday. Following that, the headliner of the prelims. <laughs> Dominic <laughs> Cruz, the best Bantamweight of all time. The prelims. Going up against Casey Kenny. Casey Kenny unranked. But a rising. A dog. Rising. A dog. Then our main card opens at light heavyweight. Tiago Santos, my boy. This is the- 
What are you doing to my boy? This is the opening fight. They're matching him up with Alexander Rakich. Then at lightweight, oh. Habib 2.0, Islam Makachev. Oh. Going up against Drew Dober. Your guy. My boy. <laughs> what are you doing to my boy? We saw him live. We did. Then at Bantamweight, here's where we get to title fights. <laughs> Bantamweight title, Peter Yan, Aljamain Sterling, Can't. women's featherweight title, Amanda Nunes, <laughs> Megan Anderson, and light heavyweight title, Jan Blachowicz, Israel Adesanya. <gasps> there we go. Back at the beginning. All right. Rogerio Bontaran, Kai Kara France. Take it away. So, we've got top-ranked dudes here. We've got the number eight-ranked flyweights. Yes, they're both ranked number eight. How? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. But they're tied for number eight in the rankings. Kai Carr, France, 21 wins, nine losses, one no contest, nine KO, TKOs, three submissions, four and two in the UFC. Ten of his 12 finishes have came in the first round. He's got notable wins over Mark De La Rosa via decision. Tyson Nam via decision. Also beat Raleon Paiva. And uh, that's a familiar opponent between both these guys. That was a split decision. He's got losses to Alexandre Pantoja. That was on the Ultimate Fighter Season 24 in the quarterfinals back in 2016 via decision. He's lost to Brandon Raw, uh, Raw Dog. Brandon Moreno. Uh, via unanimous decision, and then also lost to the other Brandon, Brandon Raw Dog Roy Val. That one was via submission. Rogerio is 16-2 and two with one no contest, three KOTKOs, 11 submissions. He's 2-1 and one in the UFC and also has a win on the Contender Series. Nine of his 14 finishes in the first round with wins over Magomed Bibulatov. Bibulatov. Yes. He's 17-2, and two, by the way. Notable win there. That was a split decision. And then again, uh, Julian Paiva via TKO. His lone notable loss and in the UFC was to Ray Borg, and that was via unanimous decision. The prelims are starting off with a banger. We love some Kai Kara France. No, I'm, I'm big on Kai Kara France. I, I really enjoyed watching him kind of grow into... Who he is at this point, you know, his record might not be the most appealing, 21-9, and nine, but he's worked his way really there. I mean, at one point in his career, he was 7-6. and six. Yeah. Look at him now. And now he's 21-9, and nine, so the guy that's really just, he really kind of got thrown into professional fighting at a young age and really had to kind of develop and grow and take those losses in stride, and it's really made him a better fighter for it today. And he's definitely got the advantage on the feet here. Bontaran, though, that guy's a submission 11 specialist. Submissions, man. Yeah, 11 submissions and 15 wins. It's very clear kind of who has the advantage where. I'm curious where you think this fight might go and who will get the W here. You know, this is interesting because the bout we saw with Car France and uh, Roy Val for the one round that we got to see it was just so insane. Did it end the second round? Yeah. Uh, so just an incredible war there. I think Kai is very well-rounded, but when you're going up against a submission specialist like this, you probably want to avoid the ground at all costs. And I think he's going to be able to get the job done, Noah. I think he's going to bounce back here from that loss to Roy Val. Make a statement, but I do think it goes the distance. I think we see a very tactical bout here with Kai getting the better of him on the feet. Maybe Bondurant gets it to the ground a little, 
but I don't see the finish happening. I'm going Kaikar France via decision in this What's one. What's funny is I think Bontron has a better chance of finishing this fight. Yeah, I agree. But I think Kara France has a better chance of winning, winning this fight. Winning the fight, yeah. And that's why I'm also going to go Kaikar France via decision. I think the the threat of the takedown will be enough to keep Kyra France from really landing power shots. Right. And he'll really be focused more on um, kind of punches and bunches and staying on the move. And really, he's going to have to fear that kind of takedown and that, that ability to get on the ground with Bontaran because yeah. of how effective he is there. Moving on. Another flyweight belt. Number two, number three. <laughs> Joseph Benavidez, Askar Askarov. Go ahead. Joseph freaking Benavidez is 28 and 7, 8 KOTKOs, 9 submissions. He's 15 and 5 in the UFC, a staple of the flyweight division since its beginnings. He's got seven first round finishes. He's got wins over Eddie Wineland via decision, Ian McCall via decision. He's beaten Juicier Formiga twice, both via TKO. He submitted Tim Elliott. He's beaten Dustin Ortiz twice, both via unanimous decision. He's beaten John Moraga via decision. Got a split decision over Henry Cejudo, and then a split over Alex Perez, former title challenger there. His losses, Dominic Cruz, twice. Yeah. NWEC, Demetrius Johnson, twice. Once via split decision, once via KO, both for belts. Lost to Sergio Pettis via split decision. Then got finished by Davis and Figueredo, once via TKO, once via submission. Also, both in title fights. All, or no, four out of his five losses in the UFC have been in title fights. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. This guy seems to win every fight that's not a title fight, essentially. Yeah. On the other end, Askar Askarov, 12-0 with one draw. Three KOTKO, seven submissions. 2-0 in the UFC with the draw. Uh, he's got notable wins over Tim Elliott via decision and Alexandre Pantoja via decision. The draw on his record was to Brandon Moreno. Interesting fight here. We do. We. This is tough. Tough. It's one. tough because we haven't seen Benavidez since he really got put through the yeah. ringer with back-to-back fights with Figueredo. Again, that's been mentioned on this podcast yeah, more than yeah. anything. Yeah, and those two fights really did. I mean, people think that Benavidez should retire. Those were tough. Yeah. However, if you really look at him, I mean, he's thirty-six, and you look at before that, he was on a three-fight win streak before that, where he. Looked damn good. Dustin Ortiz fight looked great. Juicy Air Formiga TKO'd him with head kick. Yep. Those but those figgy losses though really do seem to have a hold on people, and I don't know if it's quite deserved, but I understand it because they were pretty brutal. Well, for Askar Askarov, I mean the guy's pretty much been perfect. I mean mm-hmm. the Moreno draw looks better and better now that you see how Moreno fought to and, a draw and with a fight. You want to see even more these days now. You want yeah. that rematch, you know. So it's very interesting here as Askar Askarov is quite the grappler. Yes. Benavidez is really good everywhere. He's when you think well rounded, you gotta think Joseph. The Benavidez. only thing that the only thing about his striking that I don't like is that he tends to kind of lunge in with his eyes closed. Mm-hmm. That's what caused the headbutt in the first figgy fight, and that's that's not really you know, that's not the most technically sound thing, but he is just a jack of all trades. He's good everywhere. But Asgard definitely is the power grappler here. He's the he is the grappler. He's the one that you're not gonna want. You know, out of the two, I would say Asgard has the biggest skill set in his wheelhouse compared to Benavidez. Mm-hmm. Benavidez good everywhere. Asgard's great on the ground. Yeah. So I'm curious 
I can't go against the vet in this. I can't. Really? I think there's so much experience there in, in all these world title fights and all these just top-of-the-line guys. Askar just hasn't been in there with quite as many. And the one that he has been, it was a draw and he couldn't get it done. I, I'm going Joey B. I think he's holding on for one more, man. And he even said in his last post-fight presser, you know, I'll probably never fight for a belt again, but I'm not going out like that. Yep. I think he's coming out with a chip on his shoulder. I think he's ready to prove a statement. He's not going to get a finish, though. But I think he's going to look damn good in this fight. Give Askar his first loss via decision. I'm also going Joey V. I was shocked that you're going Benavidez yeah. here. You know, this is no slight on Askarov. I just think that this is the most motivated, yes. hungry Benavidez we have seen yet. Yeah. A guy, and I really think that if he wins this, I think he's retiring. I think he's done. Yeah. But I think that this is going to be a performance that's going to make everybody win or loss. Right off in the sunset. But yeah. I'm going Benavidez. I think he finishes the fight. I think he's going to look really good. I think third round TKOKO for Benavidez. Okay, I like that. I really think he's going to come out and look great. Mm -hmm. I do. I I have just a really strong feeling about it. Yeah. Could this bite us in the ass? Hmm, Of course. Maybe. (laughs) I mean, Ascar is undefeated. But. I, I really feel it. I do. Yeah. We move on. Oh, baby. This is going to be a tough one, I think. <laughs> Bantamweight <laughs> prospects, Song Yadong, top 15 ranked. Woo. Kyler Phillips, less known, but just as dangerous, 8-1. and one. Kind of taking your thing there. Go ahead. <sighs> Song Yadong, 16-4-1 with one no contest. He's got six KOTKOs, three submissions, 6-0 and oh in the UFC with a draw. Six first-round finishes. He's got wins over Alejandro Perez via KO and Marlon Chito Vera on a short-notice fight. That was via decision. His draw in the UFC was to Cody Stamen. Uh, so here's the fun thing, though. Song Yadong, if you take away that draw, he's on a nine-fight unbeaten streak right now now. With a guy that... He, so this guy was at 1.74. Now he's 16-4 and four on an absolute tear Kyler Phillips, 8-1, as Noah alluded to. Five KOT games, one submission. He's 2-0 in the UFC and a win on the Contender Series. Five first-round finishes. He's coming into this fight on a three-fight win streak. This is a banger. This, (laughs) overall, I know we give our main card fight of the nights. This might be the literal, legit fight of the night awarded on Saturday night. This is going to be a banger, and I'm just coming out with it right now, Noah. Song Yudong. He's going to get it done. He's going to stop the win streak of Kyler Phillips. Song Yudong trying to keep that ranking alive, fight his way upward in the Bantamweight division. But it's going to be another decision. It's going to be a three-round war back and forth. I'm even going to go as far to say Song Yudong in a 29-28 decision. This is one of the toughest fights for me to pick a winner for. Isn't this card just miserable? Because Song Yudong has proven it more. Even though, in a way, he's still unproven. Right. He still has yet to reach his That's full potential. That's such a good way to put it. You know, he's proven more. He's got the wins over Marlon Vera. That really wasn't a win, but we won't talk about that. You know, he's beaten guys like Alejandro Perez and Vince Morales and went to a draw with Cody Stamen, a yeah, very tough, very exactly. good opponent there. But he's still so unproven, even though he is a top 15. And then you got Kyler Phillips. Was even less proven. He's coming for it. <laughs> Kyler Phillips is literally eight and one. The guy 
literally is untapped potential, but you saw in his performance over Cameron Elsay how good this guy can be. And he's got some nice hair. He does really let it flow. Yeah, and they, he's, his nickname's Matrix for a reason. And that's <laughs> yes. what he was showing off in that fight. <sighs> oh, you're struggling here, huh? Yeah, um, I think. Can, I think is it safe to say it's going to be a banger? I think so. I really do. You know, I, I, I'm a big believer in Yudong. Big test. I think I'm going to go with Song Yudong. Mm. Mm. Uh, so far, we're agreeing. <laughs> I was very close to going Phillips. I think I'm going to go Song Yudong. I think I'm also going to go via decision, though. Just back I think, and forth, I think man. He's, he's just got more weapons, I believe. He's going to look a little bit if more If the technical. fight stays on the feet, I actually think Phillips might Oh really? Might give him a hard time. You don't, don't get me wrong. like His striking's good. Yeah. But Phillips has just a very... He's a very big finesse striker. Mm. And Yudong is a bit more... A bit more plotting for a Bantamweight. So... I, I think he could give him trouble on the feet. I think Yadong's ability to win this fight could be taking it to the ground. Interesting. Yeah, so I'm just, Interesting. I'm just saying. I love it. Um, but I think it's going to be a great fight. Oh, yeah. And I have a feeling that this fight's going to go nothing like how I just predicted. But <laughs> this is going to be my, this is going to be just like the Ankalaya <laughs> yeah. fight. Yeah, yeah. Now we're at the prelim headliner. Dominic Cruz is on the prelims. <laughs> what in the fuck? And he's going... <laughs> He's going up against Casey He's Kenny. He's going for a title. He's going up against Casey Kenny. Casey Kenny. What this the was fuck? The fucking, we, we said this on a news segment months ago, it seems like, at this point. And we, we were like, huh? This was the most random fight announcement we've ever covered on this podcast. But we're here for it. Dominic Cruz, arguably the greatest bantamweight of all time. 22 wins, 3 losses, 7 KOTKOs, 1 submission. He's 5-2 and two in the UFC. He's got 5 first-round finishes. Wins over Ian McCall back at WEC 38. He's been there for years. Decision. As mentioned when with uh, Joseph's fight, he's beaten Benavidez twice. Uh, WEC 42 and 50, both via decision. He's beaten Uriah Faber twice. They had a great trilogy. Both of those were via decision. He beat Demetrius Johnson back in the day uh, when Demetrius was fighting at Bantamweight. He beat Taikea Mizugaki to win the belt. That was via KO. And then he also beat TJ Dillashaw via split decision. His only losses in his career, Uriah Faber via submission, <clears throat> Cody Garbrandt via decision, and then Henry Cejudo via TKO. Noah, Dominic Cruz was unbeaten from March 22nd, 2008. I was getting ready to turn 10. Until December 30th of 2016, that's a 13-fight win streak. So, about almost seven years. Take away major knee injuries that really hindered his career. Yeah, that's so time. true, too. Um, on the other end, I still can't believe these guys are fighting each other. Casey Kinney, 16 wins, 2 losses, and a draw. 2 KOT games, 5 submissions. He's 5-1 and one in the UFC. 5 first-round finishes. He's got wins over Ray Borg. That was his UFC debut via decision. He submitted Luis Smolka, and his most recent fight, it was a fight of the night with Nathaniel Wood. Incredible battle. He won that via decision. His lone loss in the UFC, Marab Davalishvili. Who's a dog. dog. Yes, he jumps into ice. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah, that was via decision. Casey's coming into this fight on a three-fight win streak. But Noah, is he ready for Dominic Cruz? That's the question. 
I don't think he is. Hmm. Casey Kinney's good. He might be really good. Casey Kinney is good, man. He might be top ten talent. He might uh, top five or hmm. I don't think he's quite there. Yet. But I'm saying <laughs> Casey Kinney has the potential. I just wish they could see it. <laughs> Casey Kinney could, is definitely a top fifteen level talent. You could even push top ten. I think he has the potential to even be a title challenger mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah. Dominic Cruz is not the eleventh best bantamweight in the world. I can't believe he's ranked eleventh. He is top five. Yeah, he's Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz is literally. I mean. That loss to Uriah was when he was nine and zero, so he first lost. Yeah, he was so young at the time. He's been doing this just for got years. caught in the submission. Went up against Cody Garbrandt, and he one of the best performances you'll ever see in, in a any title, title fight. fight. Yeah, and then the Henry Cejudo fight, arguably an early stoppage, but Henry Cejudo is one of the most is the most accomplished combat, combat sports, sports athlete, athlete of yep. all time. Yep, the guy doesn't lose to just anybody. No, and as of now. Casey Kinney is not enough into his own yet to, I think, threaten Dominic Cruz. I, I think that Casey Kinney might show some things. Maybe he lands a takedown. Maybe he mm-hmm. does hurt Cruz on the feet. That's I, would like, I don't want to sit here and say that Kinney can't win this fight or that he can't make it a competitive fight. But I really think I'm going to go out on a limb and say Cruz, by decision, 30-27. Dominic Cruz is such a puzzle. That's on the a, feet, there's really never been anyone like him. You're going and the closest from we've seen is Corey Sanhagen. The best guy that Kenny has fought is yeah. Valish Vili. Yeah. Who Which he lost. Loss. And he lost to him. But now you're going from him to Dominic Cruz, the best bantamweight of all time. I'm just... That's just a huge leap. Mm-hmm. I don't care if Cruz at today isn't the best bantamweight of all time. It's still Dominic still a Cruz. puzzle. He's one of He's the best fighters. He's still one of the best in the world. And it, you know, for Casey, like, I guess, is his path to victory here trying to hold Dom on the ground? Like, is he going to be able to get the takedowns? Is that his method to victory? Is he going to try and outstrike him on the feet? There's just more questions to me as to how can Kenny win the fight as opposed to with what I'm going with. I think Dom is still one of the best in the world in this weight class specifically. And he's such a puzzle on the feet. He's so elusive, so quick, so unorthodox. He literally fights in a squared stance. We had a long talk about it on one of our episodes recently. And I'm going with Cruz via decision, man. I think he's just... It's too big of a step as of now. That's... that's yeah. Could a future Casey Kenny beat Dominic Cruz? Yeah. You're going but right the, now... You're going from Nathaniel Wood to the best band weight of all time. That's just... That's too much to ask of him. And if he passes that test... Guy's the limit for you. Casey if Casey Kenny. Kenny wins this, massive, massive, massive potential and a huge fight coming. And I would even go as far as say that's a huge under, like yeah, underdog. Yeah, win. I don't know betting odds, but just to me and thinking wise, he's a big underdog. And, you know yeah, what I mean? that's what I think. Yeah. I, I, out of all the fights we're picking, besides probably Megan, Megan Anderson, yeah, he's in my eyes the biggest underdog yeah. that we're previewing. Here. I agree. That's our prelims, though. That's the prelims. So. <laughs> Go, so get, buckle go, in. go get another beer, because now we're back for the, the, the main card, <laughs> and it's starting with two guys that just had And i got to plug it. Dominic, oh. you previewed this fight with Overtime Heroics. Damn, I had fun with this. Dominic, a member of the MMA Elite, he is a writer for Overtime Heroics. Go support them. If you follow us on Twitter, you've probably seen it shared. If you go to either of our pages, you can read it there. Great article, so we previewed this fight already. Now we're going to do it together. Yes. And that's Tiago Santos. My boy. 
Yeah. And Alexander Rakich. Scary boy. Scary boy. <laughs> so, Tiago, 21-8, and eight, a veteran of the podcast. 15 KOTKOs, one submission. He's 13-7 and seven in the UFC. 3-2 uh, and two at light heavyweight, 10-5 and five at middleweight. He's got eight first-round finishes. Uh, he's got wins over Elias Theodoro via decision. He KO'd Nate Marquardt, TKO'd uh, Gerald Mearchart, TKO'd Jack Hermanson, TKO'd Anthony Smith. He got a decision win over Kevin Holland uh, and a win that looks better and better and a fight for Kevin that just looks great in general for him. He TKO'd Eric Anders. This is where the light heavyweight uh, era of Tiago begins. He KO'd Jimmy Manawa. He TKO'd Jan Blachowicz. That is the last man to beat Jan Blachowicz, but we're going to get more into that when we get to the main event. <laughs> and from there, he earned a title shot. Uh, but we got to go into some of the middleweight losses first. He lost to Uriah Hall via decision. Got KO'd by Yegard Musasi. KO'd by David Branch. The title fight he earned at light heavyweight was to John Jones, where he lost a split decision. And had he had two legs in that fight, Noah, he may have just dethroned the king, that is yeah. John Jones, and we thought he won the fight anyway. I thought he won the fight anyway. Uh, and then in his most recent outing, after a 15-month hiatus from a torn ACL, MCL, PCL, PCL. all the L's <laughs> that you can have in your knee, came back, headlined a fight night with Glover Teixeira, came up short but had some moments in the process, hurt Glover twice, but overall Teixeira just overwhelmed him on the ground and got the submission. Alexander Rakich, this dude's terrifying. Yeah, he really is. 13 and 2, 9 KO TKOs, 1 submission. He's 5 and 1 in the UFC, arguably 6 and 0, oh, but we'll talk about that in a second. 8 of his 10 finishes in the first round. He's got wins over Marcin Prognio. That was at FFC 16 back in 2014 via TKO. Uh, he TKO'd Devin Clark, KO Jimmy Manawa into retirement. <laughs> he kicked the shit. Out of Jimmy Manoa. He, he did. And I'm and I'm that sounded mean. No, Love Jimmy Manoa, no, but it's true. It did. He did retire after that fight. It was one of the most brutal head kick knockouts you'll ever see in your life. He got a decision win over Anthony Smith in a fight he absolutely dominated. That was his last outing and the lone loss in the UFC. Vulcan Uzdemir in a split decision that many felt Rakich won. No, I'm gonna let you go first because Tiago Santos is one of your favorite fighters in the game. Yeah, I mean, I really, really, what I first took notice of Tiago Santos was that headlining win over Jan Blachowicz. Yeah. Um, he looked incredible in that fight. The finishing ability, just the, the pressure he brought to Blachowicz, who tried to stay patient. And it just, hey. and it was like, it was like, you know, like uh, when you watch those videos in National Geographic and like, you see the predator kind of stalking his, yeah. but it was like. It was like a chase kind of. He like, pounces. Yeah, I mean that's immediately he's he he's as soon as the bell as soon as the bell goes, he's bringing that pressure. He's throwing hammers. He's they, got one tattooed on his chest. Yeah, hey, Mareta, his nickname <laughs> stands for sled, yeah. or translates to sledgehammer. And he's got one tattooed on his chest. Yeah, that's because he's got them in his hands. Yeah, he swings hammers. Yeah, and he does carry that power very well. Yeah, and he can carry it into the later rounds. Yeah. For Rakich, more patient. Oh, Again, man. we talked about it with the kickboxers. Mm, mm, mm. He is a very patient fighter, but you saw in that Anthony Smith fight. Oh, his kicks. His leg kicks. I mean, he's got brute-sized yeah, legs, tree did. trunks. <laughs> and Anthony Smith was just... The leg kicks were he, Anthony Smith wanted to quit. Anthony was 
Anthony Smith, whose nickname is Lionheart, yeah. said after the fight, he's like, I didn't want to be in there. It he was, was considering going back to middleweight. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. He was like, these guys are too big. His, these he had kids. Anthony Smith questioning his entire career. Yeah. That's how good Rakich can be. is good. Sometimes a bit too patient. Uh-oh. He waits a bit too much You're on to something. for the big shot. That's why he lost to Vulcan Uzdemir. That wasn't a great fight. Should have been, but he was just—he—he he, he was a bit like what you saw out of Rosenstrike or mm. um, Tyron Woodley. Not in the same way, you know. He's got a little bit more right. weapons, but he was just too patient. And here you got three rounds, and he is a again a very patient, composed fighter. But he's going to have a wrecking ball, and Tiago Santos coming after him. Yeah. So it's going to force him to how's, kind of fight uncomfortably. How's he going to react? Fight out of his sort of wheelhouse, you know. But I think he's up for the test. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm a huge Tiago fan. I want to see him bounce back. However, I think Rakic's leg kicks. Tiago does have a surgically mm-hmm. repaired knee. Shit, both knees. Yeah. And um, I think because of that, I think the leg kicks are going to be flying. They may not come right away. You know, if Tiago's really coming forward in that first round, I think Rakic may be playing defense a lot. And maybe. it won't take many. But Rakic. I think that once Santos tries to slow down, you know, maybe take a take a breather. He's try a big to, guy. He's going to slow down. I think Rakic is going to really unload on his leg kicks. I'm going with second round. Ooh, a finish. Yeah, unfortunately. Do you foresee uh, Rakic maybe getting this fight to the ground at all, considering uh, Tiago's last outing with Glover and how Rakic looked against Smith on the ground? He could. I mean, I when I say TKO KO, I think the leg kicks are going to cause Tiago to have to kind of... Yeah. The way I picture it is a leg kick kind of forces Tiago to have to... Go to the ground, mm-hmm. and then Rakic is just going to welcome pounce it and, and, pound yeah. and do some ground and pound and end it. Yeah, man. It's interesting because, like, I don't think Rakic has fought anybody with the aggressiveness and the power of Tiago, but for Tiago, has he really fought a guy that's such a patient kickboxer like Rakic? No, he doesn't. So, interesting test for both guys, but I'm we're, we're, we're sticking with each other right now through this because I also have Rakic winning this. I don't have a uh, finish, though. I think he's going to kind of piece Tiago apart. I think he may utilize some wrestling. That's where my biggest question mark is. I'm interested to see if he takes this to the ground based on both of their last performances. But uh, I'm going Rakic via decision here. I think Tiago might come out and win the first round, but I think it'll be the adjustments, and as Noah's alluded to, the leg kicks and just the patience of Rakic to start picking those shots that are going to really give him rounds two and three for sure. So. Hey, that could be a fantastic fight, uh, but you can't ask for a better way to start a pay-per-view. I know that. I agree. You know, you don't usually see these big guys yeah. opening the card. It's crazy, It's man. a great fight on paper, and I really hope that it lives up to that. I mean, Tiago usually doesn't disappoint. Yeah, that's true. Rakich, too, maybe too patient sometimes, but I don't think he'll be able to do that here. Yeah. Moving on to lightweight. Oh, man. A very interesting one here. Mm-hmm. Islam Makachev really being given his first true test, in my opinion. At least big test. And that's with Drew Dober. Okay. So the heir, <coughs> the heir to the throne of Habib Nurmagomedov is, is what they're labeling him. That's what AKA keeps saying. Islam Makachev, 18-1. Three KO, TKO, seven submissions. He's 7-1 in the UFC. Uh, he's got seven first-round finishes. His notable wins, uh, Nick Lentz via decision, 
Gleason Tebow, he KO'd him. His lone loss on his record was to Adriano Martins via TKO in the first round. Islam is coming into this fight with Drew on a six-fight win streak. And as I flip the page here, Drew Dober, 23 wins, 9 losses, 1 no contest, <clears throat> 10 KO, TKO, 6 submissions, 9 and 5, 1 no contest in the UFC. He's got 8 first-round finishes, wins over Scott Holtzman via decision, wins over Frank Camacho via decision, and then his most recent outing, he looked incredible against Alexander Hernandez and got the TKO finish there. He's got some losses that are notable. Oliver, Oliver, excuse me, Albin Mercier via submission, who's now in the PFL. And then he also got submitted by Benil Dayush. Drew, coming into this on a three-fight win streak, really seeming to put it all together lately. Don't let the records and all the hype around Islam fool you. This isn't an easy fight. This no, is not. quite intriguing. I've been a big Drew Dober fan from day one. War Dober. UFC 203. You're going to be saying it Saturday night. I can hear it now. I'm War Dober. Yes. Beer's flowing. You're going to be screaming it. <laughs> You're going to be jumping up and down, slamming things. I can True. I can see it. But Islam Makhachev is really good. He's good. Now, I think there's clear advantages for both these guys. If this fight goes to the ground, which Islam will try to do. Yeah. It's going to be a long day if he's a, if Dober allows him to get that takedown and he's kept there. It's going to be a long day for him. But if this fight stays standing, mm-hmm. yep. it gets very interesting. Not that Islam can't hang Islam on the can, feet. Yeah, Islam can finish. But Drew Dober has really came into his own and is striking. Those power punches are, I would dare say, one of the hardest punchers in At the lightweight division. You look at, he's knocked out, TKO'd Marco Polo Reyes, knocked out Nazrat Hakpras, TKO'd Alexander Hernandez in his last fight. That one in particular was very... He looked so good. He looked so good. And Hernandez, I don't care how he just lost his last fight, damn good prospect as well. <sighs> I'm struggling with this one. I'm struggling with every fight on this card. So you're... How are you thinking here? Because I'm, I'm really trying to collect part of me really really just has a little little poke at my side that's saying hey drew dober's gonna land the shot he's gonna do it he's gonna land the shot Mm -hmm. but then the other part of me's like yeah come on come on if habib and dc and all these guys are hyping him up talking about him the hype's got to be real right right i'm going islam makachev i think he's gonna be battle tested here toughest fight of his career but at the end of the day, I think he gets it done via decision. I really, I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. But no, I think you can. You want to do it. Pull the trigger. You want me to pull the trigger? Ward over. I'll pull the trigger. Ward over. You're doing it. Drew Dover for the win. How? Via. <gasps> Flying triangle choke. <laughs> I think Drew Dover is going to win this fight. I think he's going to put a lot of people on notice here. All of AKA is going to be crying. <laughs> Drew Dover wins this fight via <laughs> second round KO TKO. Oh, <laughs> man. Hey, the lone loss Islam has TKO. And Dover is a much better striker. And power he he really does seem to be putting it all together right now. 
He does. I, you know, this isn't... I don't want this to come off like I'm... I know that this is not the most... Like, I definitely, since I have such a strong bond with Drew Dober, I'm definitely, like, biased in that way. But you genuinely think But I genuinely think, that, think he can win this fight. Yeah. Do I think that if they fought 100 times, do I think Dober wins more than 50 of them? Probably not. But I look at, for Islam... He hasn't fought since September 2019. Long time, man. Long time layoff. He has had his ten, his, his ten, his chin be tested and not pass the test before. And I just can totally see Dober landing that shot. Dober, even though he's been submitted a few times, not an easy guy to get to the ground. No, not at all. Alexander Hernandez found He's a very strong way. guy, man. Very strong. And he's not a super tall guy. Yeah, short, stocky. While Islam's probably a little bit taller than him. I don't know exactly. I'd say, well, reach-wise, I'd say, too, should be. So, I think that if Dober can... I think Dober's going to be able to stuff enough takedowns. Mm-hmm. Maybe the first round's all, all Islam. Yeah. Takedown on top. But I think Dober's going to be able to make those mid-fight adjustments, and I think he lands the shot in the second round. Man. You, hey, all it takes is one. Third one. <laughs> this is going to get harder. We're doing three title fights. Peter Jan, Aljamain Sterling. Th- this is... This is the one I'm most excited for. I know we're having a double champ come potential and a guy moving up in weight classes. This is the fight I've been waiting on, and we're finally here. Pewter, Jan, 15 wins, one loss, seven KOTKOs, one submission. He's undefeated in the UFC at 7-0. and He's got three first-round finishes. He's got wins over Douglas Silva de Andrade via TKO, decision over John Dotson, decision over Jimmy Rivera. He KO'd Uriah Faber with a head kick and then TKO Jose Aldo to win the vacant title. His lone loss is to Magomed Magomedov, which was a split decision back at ACB 32. Fun fact, Magomed's only loss is to Pewter Jan. They've traded wins with each other, and now we just need to see the trilogy at some point down the line. Pewter Jan coming into this fight on a 10-fight win streak. Blue corner. The challenger, Aljamain Sterling, 19 wins, 3 losses. He's got 2 KO TKOs, 8 submissions, 11-3 and three in the UFC with 4 round 1 finishes. Wins over Takeya Mizugaki via submission. Hennon Burrell via decision. He submitted Cody Stamen. He's also beaten Jimmy Rivera via decision. Beaten Pedro Munoz via decision. And then absolutely demolished Corey Sanhagen and got a submission victory in his last outing. His losses were to Brian Caraway, split decision. Rafael Sunsau, split decision. And then a freak KO via a thing that was supposed to be a head kick, but he dipped in, so it ended up being a knee to the face, and he got KO'd and fell into like the dab stance, and it's all kinds of crazy shit. It was against Marlon Marais. Aljo on a five-fight win streak. No, this is the fight. This is the fight right here. We've been waiting for it. Uh-huh. It's the rightful one and two here in the division. Or champion one, whatever. Yeah, these are the top two guys. They've earned it. It's it's tough to know because Jan really his path to the belt not the hardest that we've seen. No, you know you look at he beat guys like Douglas Silva de Andrade, good win. John Dotson, a step up, good veteran win. Jimmy Rivera, great win. Mm-hmm. Then he KOs Uriah Favor, really. It's a great, performance. a great win, but also a favor but that came out of But that's what got him a title shot. And you're like, okay, yeah. we'll see. 
But then you place him up with Aldo, who yeah. was who had, was zero one in the division. This to me is like the title fight. So it's kind of like okay, he wins the belt, but he really still has to prove he can beat the top guys in yeah. the division. Yeah. Before that place as champion is really <clears throat> confirmed in my eyes. And Aljamain has had a much tougher road here. I mean, the, his competition. Yes, he had a couple losses early on Caraway, a Sun Sal, Marais. But you look at after I mean, the Marais fight, Brett Johns, Cody Staven, Jimmy Rivera, Pedro Munoz, and then submitting Corey Sanhagen. He, yeah, that was crazy. I mean, he has fully bounced back and has proven that he is like he's here. Yeah, I mean, two of the three losses via split. So, you know, one judge sees it yeah. the other way. Those are two wins. You know? And another stark contrast in styles. Yes. Because Jan is one of the best strikers in the entire UFC. His ability to switch stances on his feet. And he he's just as good as a southpaw as he is orthodox. He is fantastic with his boxing. Yeah, and we see a lot of the Russian guys that are so great at wrestling. Yeah. Jan will be over here and saying, eh, I'm yeah. going to keep this on the feet and yeah. you know, punch you in the face. While Sterling will bring the pressure, but he's really going to look to get the fight to the ground. Yeah, unorthodox on the feet, great grappler. And he's, he does bring a lot of pressure, and he's very fast. Mm-hmm. But is he as fast as Jan? Oh, they're both... Hand speed in general, probably not. No, but I movement think it's movement-wise, wise, probably. Yes. Yeah. He's so funky. It's going to be a great fight. And I have a hard time seeing either of these guys getting finished. Right. Yeah. I'm going to stick with the champ. I'm going Peter Yan, and I'm going to go via decision. This is where we differ. Well, mm-hmm. I guess we differed on Drew Dober and Makhachev. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been so high on Aljo, and I called it back in December when this fight was going to happen, and I'm sticking to it now three months later. Aljamain Sterling is the next champ. And a guy that could potentially reign for a little bit in this division. I think he's really in his prime right now. Not that Peter Jan is not. But this is a legit test here for Jan. This is the legitimate title fight in my eyes. No takeaways from Jan. He won the belt, I understand. But this is the fight. This is the fight. But I'm going. Aljamain Sterling, I'm going decision. I think he's going to look to get this fight to the ground a lot. I think he's going to look to overwhelm Jan. Jan's going to have moments, and I think this could be a fight where even we see a 3-2, a 4-1. It's going to be competitive. Even on the feet, Sterling's not going to just stray away and get destroyed on the feet. He will get bested, but not destroyed on the feet. He'll have his moments. Jan may even, you know, maybe Jan comes out and attempts at least to take down or some clinch control up against the fence, try to prove who's the stronger guy. I'm interested to see the strength difference between both of these fellas. Both looking very good right now physically. Fantastic fight here, but again, Sterling via decision. Tough fight there. Tough fight to pick. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Co-main event time. A goat. Amanda Nunes, Megan Anderson. Roll out the red carpet for these ladies, Dom. Our first time getting to break down Amanda Nunes, and I feel honored, Noah. I really do. Episode 75, big pay-per-view card, and here we go. Amanda Nunes, the greatest women's mixed martial artist of all time. One of the greatest all-around mixed martial artists. 20 wins, 4 losses, 13 KOTKOs, 3 submissions, 13-1 in the UFC, 13 first-round finishes. She's got wins over Jermaine Duranamy twice, once via TKO, once via decision. She beat Shayna Bajer via TKO. She submitted Sarah McMahon. She's beaten Valentina Shevchenko twice 
both via decision. She submitted Misha Tate. She TKO'd Ronda Rousey. She TKO'd Raquel Pennington. She KO'd with one punch Chris Cyborg. She TKO'd Holly Holm. No, no, no. She Holly Holmed Holly Holm with a head kick KO. And then in her most recent outing, beat Felicia Spencer via decision. She's got a couple losses. She lost to Alexis Davis back at SF in 2011 via TKO and then lost to Kat Zingano via TKO. So at that point in her career, following that loss to Kat, Amanda Nunes was 9-4. and four. Now, she's 20-4 and four on an 11-fight win streak coming into this fight, looking to make her 7th title defense across two weight classes. Megan Anderson, 11 wins, 4 losses, 6 KO TKOs, 3 submissions, 3-2 and two in the UFC, a former Invicta champion as well. Six round one finishes. She's got wins over Kat Zingano via TKO. She KO'd with one punch Norma Dumont and in her other UFC victory, one via triangle choke submission. So all finishes. Her losses in the UFC, Holly Holm via decision. That was her debut fight. And then got submitted by Felicia Spencer in a number one contender bout. And that's how Felicia got the title fight against Nunes. You know... When you're breaking down one of the best to ever do it, it's hard to go against. Them, I right? really feel like we should focus mostly on <clears throat> if Megan Anderson were to win this fight, how does she do it? I think Megan needs to finish this fight. Yeah, I don't see her being able to win a decision. Stay with Nunez for five rounds. What does she have advantages of over Nunez? It's literally size. So, therefore, she's got the length, she's got the size, the reach. She does have power in her hands. I don't even know if she has more power than Nunez. But she, I mean, that's really all. That, I mean, on paper, what based off what we've seen, I don't see another route for her to win here. Mm-hmm. Do you? You know, she's got the power, like you said. One-shot power, as we've Mm -hmm. seen. She does have a couple submissions on her record, but can she really submit Nunez? Ah, that's a different beast. For Nunez, she can get it done all three options. You know what I mean? She can drag it out. She can KO Tico. She can submit. I think this is a tough challenge because we're talking about a six-foot-tall fighter here in Megan Anderson. Very long reach, 72 and a half inches. She's going to present problems. But at the end of the day, Amanda can make the adjustments. We saw what she did with GDR. Another fighter that's taller than her has a longer reach. She knew she wasn't getting her usual, or being her usual self on the feet. What'd she do? Takes the fight to the ground and dominates GDR for five rounds. I see it being much of the same here, but I think Nunes is going to get this fight to the ground more often than not. And by the time the third round rolls around, the third round comes to... I didn't want to say round and round <laughs> a bunch of times. Do you get what I'm saying? She's going to be on the ground again, and this time, the ground and pound is going to be too much. Megan's going to give up her back and get submitted in the third round to Amanda Nunes and still the GOAT. I, I'm having such a hard time. Um, there's no doubt I'm picking Nunes, and you know, I, maybe I'm. Maybe I'm risking it. <laughs> Am I risking it in case this is end up being the biggest upset of all time? Yes. 
Um, it could end up being that way. Megan is still yet to show a lot of her abilities that she had shown early on in her career in the UFC. But she's also developed a lot of abilities, she like has. that one-punch power. It's going to be Amanda Nunes. It's just a method of victory for me. Yeah. Um, the submission, third round, it's a very... I, I'm close to that. But I'll kind of go out on a limb. I, I think Nunes might be looking to make a point here. Mm. I think it might be a first round... No kidding. Submission. Coming out hot and just getting it over with. I think huh? she's just going to come out and kind of like a la Chris Cyborg fight. Yeah. But yeah. I think instead of finishing on the feet, she will Grappling. end up submitting her. I like it. I don't hate that at all. Do, you know, before we go on to the big one, mm-hmm. do you see at least potential for the upset at all? Or is it the one-shot punch chance? Is Amanda so well-rounded that I, it's going to be a one-shot that based off what I've seen from Megan Anderson, regardless of how good Amanda Nunes is, I think it's a puncher's chance. Yeah. I really don't see Megan's strength over... Well, I mean, she is a bit like tall, strong. I don't see where she's better than Nunes at. Nunes is simply that good, right? And Nunes... That's what it comes has, down to. You know, what has phased Nunes in her fights over, you know, based on this since she's been champion? You know, the GDR fight, GDR did give her a little trouble mm-hmm. in the feet. But GDR is a world world class, yeah. Kickboxer and um, women's boxer, and um, Megan doesn't have those credentials. Well, it's crazy. She has one punch power, but doesn't necessarily have the technique to set it up. And then you look at where Nunes comes out, and look what she does to Holly Holm, yeah, a boxing world champion. It's crazy. Head kicks her. Crazy. I mean, it's it's really. And if Megan wins it, then it's going to answer a lot of those. You know where her strengths lie, but. Right now, I really just don't see it. Okay. Let me pose one more question. Okay. What does this do for the state of the featherweight division as a whole if Nunes is in still? What do they do? Keep bringing in just one fight? I mean, they have a featherweight fight lined up. Felicia Spencer and uh, Danielle Wolf off of the Contender Series. So they're not getting rid of the division, but are they just going to keep bringing in one-offs from Invicta and... I mean, if Dan- that's what you did. Danielle Wolf beats Spencer because you know you'd imagine if Megan were to win. I mean, they, they you got. Let's be honest; it's kind of an elephant in the room. I yeah. mean, this isn't really a division. I mean, it is, but it isn't. There's like four people, literally. It's a lot of bantamweights wanting to move up and fight for a belt. It's and a couple legit featherweights. Um, I think they're gonna. Right now, I don't. I, there hasn't been any chatter of them. You think you know, if Amanda wants to keep making history defending both belts... Then I think they're going to... Honestly, I think if Megan wins, there's a greater chance that the division might just yeah. dissolve. Interesting. I don't know. I had to get your take. I don't know. It's, it's based off the fact that you heard so much chatter about the men's flyweights, right? Yeah. But I've heard nothing yeah. about women's featherweight. I think maybe there's the hope that someone like Kayla Harrison comes over and maybe they can still build this thing. <sighs> Baby. Um, it just remains to be seen, mm-hmm. but I think for now you're going to see it kind of stat- continue to stagnating route they've been doing. But when you have Amanda Nunes as a champion of that division, in quotations, division, keep feeding her, you know. Yeah, you might as well. All Main right. event time. Oh boy, Yablahovic, Israel Adesanya, roll out the red carpet for these two gentlemen. Okay, so these two gentlemen. Both uh, fought on UFC 253, and both won in their title fights. And now they're fighting each other just a few months later. Noah, Jan Blachowicz, 
27 wins, 8 losses. He's got 8 KOTKOs, 9 submissions. Don't sleep on the submissions. I know he's known for the legendary Polish power, folks. 9 submissions. 10-5 and five in the UFC. He's got 7 first-round finishes. Uh, wins over Elir Latifi via TKO. He submitted Devin Clark. A decision over Jared Cannonier. Decision over Jimmy Manawa. Submitted Nikita Krylov. One-punch KO'd Luke Rockhold. Got a split decision over Jacare Souza. Uh, One-punch KO'd Corey Anderson, and then TKO'd Dominic Reyes to win the title. His loss is Jimmy Manoa via decision, Corey Anderson via decision, Alexander Gustafson via decision, Patrick Cummins in a majority decision, which means one of the judges had that fight a draw. (laughs) And then his last loss was to Tiago Santos, as we mentioned. That was via TKO. Since then, he's on a four-fight win streak, and of course now... The light heavyweight champion of the world. Israel Adesanya, a perfect 20 wins, 0 losses. 15 KOT goes. He's 9-0 and in the UFC. And literally, he's not even been in the UFC three years yet. Unbelievable. Unbelievable stuff this guy's doing. Unprecedented. Wins over Marvin Vittori via split decision. A decision win over Brad Tavares that he looked great in for five full rounds. TKO Derek Brunson at Madison Square Garden. A decision win and a passing of the torch bout against Anderson Silva. One of my all-time favorite fights. Uh, got a decision over Kelvin Gastelum to become the interim champion and one of the greatest fights in general that you'll ever see in your life. KO'd Robert Whitaker to become the undisputed champion in front of the largest crowd in UFC history. Had a fight with Yoel Romero that we don't like to talk about. And then TKO'd <laughs> Paulo Costa. He has seven first-round finishes, no losses to speak of here, Noah. The middleweight champion moving up to fight the king of Poland. Mm -hmm. Give me your thoughts. Should we talk about the weight that's been going around this week? Yeah, um, I don't put a lot of water on it. (laughs) I don't even know if that's a saying. (laughs) It is now. (laughs) Um, I don't put much on that. You know, I know, I think Israel's just trying to say that he's not changing anything up with his fight week routine. He's like, don't be surprised if I weigh this much because yeah. I'm not changing anything. Yeah. But I think he'll still weigh in around Pretty close. 200 pounds, yeah. you know, at the minimum. Um, do you. No, I mean, that? I just wanted to at least bring it up. And yeah, because it was Ariel. a big. He said, point. you know, don't be surprised if I weigh in at 193. Right now I'm weighing 198. Uh, Ariel Hawani, of course, interviews Jan Blachowicz the next day, kind of getting a gauge on, well, what are you going to weigh on fight night? Jan says, I'll weigh about 220, 225. So we could be talking 20, 25, 30-pound weight difference between these guys. It, it's just something to hang out there. But now we just got to get into the fight, the styles. Yeah. What do we got? Well, let's start with the elephant in the room. Okay. Jan Blachowicz. Legendary Polish power. Me and him have not seen eye to eye. He hates you. <laughs> <laughs> Literally his last five fights, I predict him to lose every one of them. I've gotten one right, and that was the first one. I thought he would lose to Santos. He did. I thought he would lose to Rockhold. He did not. He did not. Then, what was that? I thought he would lose to Jock Ray Souza. He did not. Close fight, though. Boring fight. Yep. Corey Anderson. thought he would lose to Corey Anderson. He did not. thought he would lose to Dominic Reyes. He did not. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> I mean... Let me pose a question first. Okay. I saw this. I forget where I... Uh, I think I saw this on a video. 
Maybe MMA on point. I'm not entirely sure. Um, if Jan Blachowicz wins this fight, yeah. is his career resurgence better, the best we've ever seen? And I'm going to rate basically the other person who would have a hold on that being Robbie Lawler. Man, that's a fantastic question. Considering at one point in his career he was, what was it? At one point in his UFC career he was 2-4. and four. Yep. Now he's 10-5. and five. Yep. So what's that? Uh, eight and one, yeah, eight and one run. He's won eight of his last nine fights. That's you know, that's a great question that I hadn't really thought of. I'm gonna have to go with yes. I really, I think it comes down to competition. Not that Robbie didn't fight great competition, but I just think it's different when you're in these bigger weight classes. More potential to just get one shot KO'd, and the way he's done it. You know, Robbie had some five-round wars that are instant classics. Jan's going out here just one-punch KOing people, getting the check, and leave. So it's quite incredible here. And, um, yeah, if he were to beat an undefeated Israel Adesanya, stop just one of the biggest hype trains that the UFC has right now and that they've ever had, yeah, I'm going to go greatest career resurgence we've ever seen. I love that question. Yeah, I, I forget who... Someone was saying that it would have to be at least in the conversation, mm-hmm. and I completely agree. I mean, the only thing that would make me want to say Ravi is just because he started out so young in the UFC, yeah. got released, had a very tough run in strike force, came back, won the champion, had back-to-back fight of the mm. years. You know, but, Yeah, Jan's 37, 38 yeah. now. That's, yeah, I agree. I, and I considering like he still, at this point, has more wins via submission than knockout, but Polish power. Polish power. Trademark pin. Well, Israel Adesanya, I mean, he is he is so much growing into what his potential was. I mean, he has really exceeded his potential at this point. You know, I I made the 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 blunder of predicting Paulo Costa to beat him, and that looks sillier and sillier as time goes on. But you know, it's it just shows how far he's come, even since with that fight. He's levels above. He just is. He he is this last style striking. Yeah, yeah, and he is incredible, and he has the potential with the win here to really become that next star. And when I mean star, I mean you know the guys like Masvidal, McGregor, Diaz, these guys that require first bill. You won't see two more title fights on their cards, kind of guy. He will click. Quickly be chasing that goat status. Logan, did you see the Puma commercial? Yeah, badass, awesome. He was on the cover of UFC four. You know he's the UFC's definitely buying in here. He's gotten and I will say when this buying. fight, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when this fight was announced, I, I was shocked. I was immediately like, okay, Adesanya is going to win this. And as we talked about earlier. And then the, the, as the days go on, it's like this feeling day. keeps creeping into my head that's like... Polish power. Polish power. Yeah. Blahovic just... Again, me... You know what makes me second-guess it the most is the fact that he has proven me wrong yeah. every step of the way. I have to respect the man for that. He's a champion. He was too poor in the UFC at one point. On the verge of getting cut, potentially. <laughs> he's a champion he won eight of his last who fights. ever would have thought that co- would come Love I remember it. the first time I I remember hearing the name Jan Blahovich was Daniel Cormier shit talking I believe it was like Ryan Bader at a yeah. press conference and he said your best win is against Jan Blahovich he's like I like Jan Blahovich but it's Jan Blahovich yeah and I was like and I just remember that I, I think that stigma is held to this day for me where it's like 
It's Jan Blachowicz. But now, it's Jan Blachowicz. It's the guy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the first Polish male champion, the second only Polish champion outside of Joanna, yeah. Chuck, the king and queen, respectively. And I'm just, it's been creeping into my head, but it's not going to be enough for me to pick him here. It's not quite going to be enough. I have a lot of respect for Jan Blachowicz and what he's done to really just continue to grow in his career and to be, get to the highest of highs. You know, I mean, he beat the guy for the belt who arguably beat John, John Jones, Jones, but yeah. the judges didn't feel that way. But Israel Adesanya, I think, is just the next level. I don't is think it? there's a lot of guys that can beat Jan at light heavyweight, but Israel Adesanya, I think, can. However, I don't think it's going to be easy. This is my fight of the night pick, mm. and I'm picking Israel Adesanya via decision. I think it's going to be a war. I think Adesanya will get hurt at times, will be tested at times. But I think he's going to be too fast, too crisp, too technical for the Polish power. I like that. I, I didn't get my fight of the night. I'm bad at that sometimes. <laughs> uh, I'm going Jan and Sterling okay. as fight of the night. But uh, the other Jan, Jan Blahovic <laughs> and uh, Israel Adesanya, man, I mean, where do you start? Just like you, and we talked about this offline before we hit the record button, with each passing day, that tiny part of me is like, he's going to land one shot. He's going to land a shot against Izzy, isn't he? Because then, you know, you look at the fight with Izzy when he fought Marvin Torrey or when he fought Kelvin Gastelum and was getting hurt. Can he withstand a shot from a 225-pound dude with four-ounce gloves on? Can mm-hmm. he? A guy that's been putting people's lights out? I think it's going to come down to speed. Mm-hmm. Now, Jan's got great hand speed. But again, it's kind of similar to uh, how we talked about Pewter Jan and Sterling. Speed in general, movement, fainting, in and out, picking shots. It's going to be Izzy here. I think he's going to be able to not point fight his way to a victory. I think it's going to be a great fight. But he's going to really have to pace himself here. Be careful because one shot can change it all. Uh, I am going Israel Adesanya via decision to become the champ champ. I think it's going five rounds. Um, I do have one question here. So we're talking a lot about striking, but... Do we see Jan attempt to get this to the ground? Now, Israel has a fantastic takedown defense. Yeah. But do we at least see Jan try? I don't think we do. Really? You think he tries to stand the whole time? Yeah. I, I mean, I could, could I be wrong? Of course. But I, I think he really believes in his power. He's a great and, boxer. And I think that that's what's really gotten him to this high-level fight, and I think he's going to believe in it to win it out. Um, one thing I want to ask you. So, it it seems like Jan can at times be a bit of a slow starter. Yeah. Israel Adesanya tends to like, he likes to let his opponents kind of, what's the word? Like, he kind of, he's talked about the Izzy effect. Like, he kind yeah. of lets his opponents into a false sense of, like, comfort almost. Yeah, he, he immediately just controls the entire fight and essentially freezes his opponents. We've seen it twice in a row. If Jan comes out and immediately is on the move, on the pressure... Could be interesting. What we thought Tiago, or I'm sorry, Paulo was going to do. Do you think that this fight... Like, is that how you're thinking the fight's going to go? Or do you think it starts out with... I think they're both going to be patient. Which could could make Israel Adesanya very uncomfortable. I mean, it didn't in the Romero fight. But I think that Jan's bigger, he's stronger... He's going to have better reach, better length. It could be interesting if Jan comes out and is like, no, 
you make the first move. If you, if Yang comes out aggressive, I think he's going to push for clinch work and get a takedown. Striking-wise, I don't think he's going to come out and be aggressive in the striking. I think he's going to want to find that one shot, as we've seen him do time and time again. You know what I think would be interesting? We saw how brutal his body kicks were against Dominic Reyes. Mm-hmm. Those could play a factor. We've not seen people do body work to Adesanya. It's, again, it's hard to hit Adesanya, but those could play a factor. Uh, there's so many intangibles here. I think we're going to see a really great striking display, no matter who wins. But it's just a matter of Izzy seems to be so many levels ahead in all facets of striking. Mm-hmm. Kicks, elbows, Muay Thai, boxing, just everything. Switching, angles, fainting, as I mentioned. Jan's got the, the great crisp boxing, but it's like, can he keep up with all that movement? Yeah. And that's where it's going to inevitably fall to Izzy for me. And I just have a hard time seeing Izzy knocking out. Yeah, man. I guess maybe it's similar to Amanda. Well, I don't know. It's kind of not, but like, I guess when you go methods of victory, technically Jan would have more routes because Izzy has no submission victories. But at the same time, to me, I don't see Jan winning a decision. I see him KOing, but if I see Izzy winning, I, he could finish Jan, or he could win a decision. So Not that Jan's you know, never like, been finished, but I mean, Tiago Santos' right. power is different than Adesanya. Adesanya doesn't need power. He's got the precision. Yeah, you know, he's he just going to pick you apart. And I mean, he could finish a fight that way. I don't think he knocks out Jan cold, but he could overwhelm him to the point like Paulo got overwhelmed. You tonight. know, here's, here's what I want to see. I want to see Izzy get hit one time. One time solid by Jan. I want to see what it does. I want to see what it does to him mentally, physically. How's he going to react? Uh, how's he going to um, push through that fire? And just can he make the proper adjustments to not get hit again? Because I really just don't think any middleweight can come up 20 pounds and take as many shots as they do at 185. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see one shot land on Izzy. If a shot does land, what it'll do. But again, go on Izzy. Do you feel like a weight's been lifted off our shoulders? Yeah, I mean, with so much anticipation. Yeah, now we just gotta watch the damn thing. This card, very first fight of the night. You guys that are listening, you just don't, you know, maybe you don't get it, but like, you don't get cards like this that often. You don't, you don't. You know, you know when since especially now that we do this kind of podcast, we really break down these things, these week to weeks, and we know more of the fighters. Now it's like every fight on this card is so intriguing. We could have literally done the early prelims. Yeah, you know, I mean, we could have. It's that stacked. You're gonna want to tune in. I think we're in for history. Mm-hmm. There's history in this card in the main. There, there is something in the air. Yeah, you know, something's gonna happen. But until then. Wait and see. Yep. So, can you get the start times for Saturday? Oh, shit. <laughs> well, the pay per view's at 10. 10 p.m. There's like 16 total fights. So, the prelims that we broke down, the four, are still at eight, like usual. It's the early prelims I'm not sure on because there's like six of them. There's 15 fights on Saturday. I'm probably going to go with like a 5.30 or 6 p.m. Don't quote me on that, but I know they're all on ESPN+. Plus. There you go. So... Dude, look it up, you yeah, bastards. Look it up. Usually I got it right here, but I feel disappointed. No, I'm sorry. You know. I'm sorry I put you on the spot there. <sighs> but until then, buy the pay-per-view. Dominic Lee, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Twitter, Instagram, at DSLee14. 
Find the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. Having a lot more engagement these days on social media. Mm-hmm. We're trying to bump up the followers, the engagement. Twitter's popping. Twitter's popping. We got results for all the fights coming out. I don't know how many damn tweets we're going to do on Saturday because we broke down so Instagram many fights. followers are rising. We got people commenting on pictures on Instagram, really engaging. We got polls going up on all the platforms. You're going to want to be involved before yeah. it's too late. Get in or get out. Basically. Or just... Or just keep listening. Yeah, that's fine too. <laughs> As for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with the social media platforms. That includes the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, along with Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for the anchor page. First, leaving a voice message. It's something that we just heard JP do earlier. Something you've heard Tyler do in the Don't past. Don't you want to be involved? Be involved. Leave a question, a thought about an f- upcoming fight, a thought about a fight that's already happened. Anything that you want to talk about, you got 60 seconds to do it there. Tell us we're a piece of shit. Tell us hi. I don't care. Do it at that link. And there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides with a few dollars a month and all that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast. Whether it be audio equipment, or down the line doing a video podcast. So again, you can find all of that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out, and we'll see you on 